Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight this day. Amen. Please be seated. Friends, I have to begin this morning with a confession, and I'm just going to beg for your forgiveness right here at the outset. My confession is that I'm about to break a bunch of pretty basic rules of preaching, and so I hope that you'll bear with me, because when I sat down to write this week, it just quickly became clear to me that I was going to come up short on a lot of the basic stuff you're supposed to do while preaching. For instance, you're supposed to open with a story or a joke or a funny anecdote. I don't have one for you here. You're not supposed to give disclaimers, but I'm, I guess I'm already halfway through one here. And finally, you're definitely not supposed to open with something sad, but that's what I'm about to do because today is my last day at St. Columba's. And that's a hard sentence for me to utter and honestly a big bummer of a way to start a sermon. But I realized, number one, that I needed to acknowledge that, and number two, it's not going to affect my future preaching privileges here if I break a bunch of rules. So there it is. But uh, you know, sort of jokes aside, I, I wish that I could spend the rest of my time this morning just sharing about all the things which make St. Columba's so special the amazing people and ministries and memories that I have here. But the reality is that even if I did that, I'm not going to be able to adequately communicate everything that I love and treasure about this place, how much it means to me. Uh, several minutes is just not long enough to do that. But St. Columbus is so special, and I'll miss it, and all of you so much. And by now, you're probably realizing that if there is a book or a manual for how to prepare and preach a last sermon, one is, which is able to sort of speak to the passage and articulate some meaning, but also sort of eloquently summarize personal feelings, if there is a book for that, I have not read it. I can't summarize the gratitude that I feel and the love that I have for this place. But I'm really thankful for the gospel passage that we have for this morning because it's really rich. And I think it has some important things to say for our community and the moment in time which we occupy here. The passage in question about Mary and Martha and a pretty surprising interaction with Jesus is one of those passages that I think functions a little bit like a mirror. Like it or not, purposeful or not, you probably see something of yourself reflected in it. My sense is that the way that we perceive what's going on in this story has a lot to do with our own personality, our own predisposition. But let me explain a little bit further and put my own cards on the table here. The New Testament reading, which is assigned for today, is from Colossians chapter 1, and it begins with this incredible sentence. Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created. All things, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if that guy was sitting in my living room, the one whom the Bible calls the image of the invisible God, the one in whom and by whom all things have been created, I think I'd want to be sitting with him and listening to whatever he has to say too. So personally speaking, I have a lot of sympathy for Mary in this story. It's not often that the creator of the universe walks in the door and plops down on your couch, right? In my mind, the ditches can wait until later on. That's where I'm at in the story. I think I'd probably be sitting right there next to Mary, promising Martha that I'd help catch up on chores later on once Jesus had left. But others see this passage differently, right? Maybe you see it differently. I conducted an informal poll this week, just asking a few people, which perspective do you feel more aligned with in this story, Mary or Martha? And while the results were mixed, several people shared with me this feeling that Martha kind of gets a bad rap here, right? She doesn't come off the way that maybe she should. The text says that it's Martha who welcomed Jesus into her home. It's Martha who got everything ready before the guests arrived. It's Martha, who's probably the one hustling around, offering drinks and snacks to Jesus and all of his pals, while Mary's just sitting around, right? I'm going to hazard a guess and say that I think we have some Marthas here among us today in our community, those who are the first to jump up to take care of others, who have this innate sense of responsibility. And so many people hearing this story today might be inclined to look at the passage and get frustrated. What did Martha do to deserve that sort of rebuke from Jesus, right? All she's doing is hosting, taking care of everybody, working really hard. Does God not value those for whom work and care of others is a way of being and a way of extending love? The way the text describes Martha inviting Jesus into her home implies that she owns the home, which at this time probably meant there's no spouse in the picture. Martha's probably a widow. Additionally, in the culture in which Jesus, Mary, and Martha occupied, the burden of hospitality fell almost exclusively on the shoulders of women, which means that it's probably up to Martha to care for all of these many guests. We know from the Gospels that Jesus usually rolled around with a pretty big crowd trailing in his wake. Martha must have been exhausted. But there's more to the story. The passage says that Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, which might sound strange to our modern ears, but it's meant to signify she's a disciple of Jesus. Disciples sit at the feet of the teacher. That's how it works. And in this culture in which they occupied, being a disciple was a guy's only thing. For Mary to be doing what she's doing is not only unusual, but scandalous. And so we see that Mary is breaking every gender norm in the book. She's probably being distracting by being there, sitting right in the middle of the men, acting as though she belongs with all the male followers of Jesus. This is simply not done. It's inappropriate. But Jesus affirms her choice and the fact that she belongs in that space with Peter and John and the rest of Jesus' inner circle. Mary belongs. Some commentators have identified in these two women the beginnings of the two most basic types of ministry the church is concerned with, right? The ministry of the word, that's what Jesus is doing. He's teaching. 
and the ministry of service, which is what it sounds like. That's what Martha's doing, love of neighbor. And I think we see here that one type of ministry sets up the other. Jesus invites the one who serves, that's Martha, to abide with him, to spend time learning from him, the one who's teaching, so that she may be encouraged and refreshed in her important daily work. Mary demonstrates her love of God by sitting at Jesus' feet, but Martha demonstrates her love of neighbor by taking care of her friends. And Jesus seems to be saying that you can't separate these two kinds of love. In fact, it's these two things that Jesus together bundles and calls the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So does this mean that Jesus values Mary's choice to sit at his feet over Martha's choice to serve? Does Jesus think that learning is better than doing? I don't think so. Elsewhere in the book of Luke, Jesus defines discipleship and even his own ministry in terms of serving others. And we know from the gospel stories that Jesus and Martha are close friends, which means that this interaction is one friend speaking to another. My sense is Jesus is not trying to chastise Martha for the way in which she cares for others, but rather he's trying to point Martha gently towards something that will sustain her in her daily life. And so Jesus here is not rejecting Martha while accepting Mary. Neither is this story about God approving of like contemplative people versus active people or some false dichotomy like that. That's not the case. This is a story like many others in the Gospels, one in which Jesus is pushing on the boundaries of social convention, extending welcome to Mary, while also offering a different way of being to those around him, one which does not adhere to the regular rules and rhythms of life as we understand it. This is Jesus dismissing the gender roles of his culture while affirming his friend Mary. This is Jesus speaking gently to his friend Martha, who needs to be given permission to rest. And finally, this is Jesus doing what he is almost always doing in the Gospels, which is welcoming, inviting, pointing people to the life-giving love we find in the presence of God, beckoning to Martha, lay down the many worries and cares of your daily life. Come and abide with me. What would it mean for us to abide with Jesus? In what ways does God invite us to lay down the cares that lay on our hearts, to rest in God's presence? Not as a rejection of the things which fill up our lives, but as a recognition of the way that those things, even when they're good and necessary and meaningful, can sometimes crowd out the voice of God in our lives. Jesus offers here, amidst the turbulence and concern of the everyday, a quiet invitation to simply abide with him, be with him, sit at his feet and listen. Let God be present in the midst of daily life. Friends, this passage is saying, Jesus is saying, God's presence is not something you qualify for. 
by working hard enough, by meeting certain social qualifications. Neither is the presence of God one more thing to add to the to-do list, one more thing to accomplish or attain or provide for others. The presence of God is a free gift, just something to receive. So I say to you today by way of benediction, we who live in a world which prizes achievement, we who are so busy, we who care so much, seek to do so much good and to somehow make it all fit together, let us hear Jesus' words to Martha as words to us too. You who are surely worried and distracted by many things, there is need of only one thing. Amen.